Pastor's Cut podcast for the week of May 14th, 2023. We're in the middle of the Gospel According to the Beatles series, and uh, this week we're going to be covering Hey Jude, and we'll get to the text here in just a moment. But as as set up, we do have a special guest in, in the studio. Stuart Tilly is here, our brand new student minister, brand new, newly minted, <laughs> fresh off the turnip wagon. Is that right? Should I say that? Turnip truck? Do it. What, what, whatever. It. He's a radish. He is fresh, <laughs> fresh from the, the turnpike, maybe? Is that, is that a compliment? I don't know. We're just kind of making things up, Stuart. So <laughs> so in honor of him being here, uh, before I ask Stuart a few questions, um, just do a, a quick couple of minute interview. Um, I thought it'd be good for us to reminisce for just a minute, Dave and Marissa, about youth ministers, the good, the bad, the ugly that we had in, in school. So Dave, if you had... One student minister that would stand out to you for a for good or bad reason. What what's and you don't have to give first and last name, but probably you know at least a hint would be nice. No, I I can think my my favorite student minister was one that that took time just to always listen to me. He um, gosh, he took me out to lunch my senior year and, and heard my story about how I was interested in ministry. He said, "Well, we got to get you in seminary. We got to get you thinking about a bunch of stuff." He was the guy, actually, that put the band PFR together back in the day. He cut his, his teeth in ministry in Minnesota and, and put Six Spence on the Richer together. Um, and so I was interested in music, and he connected me with my best friend, Thomas Porter, in Phoenix. And so, solid guy. And thanks for Six Spence on the Richer. Now I'm going to have Kiss Me running through my head the rest <laughs> of the day. There you go. Glad Thank to you. help you out. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Dick Dietrich. There you go. Um, so, Marissa, before I get to you, I'll, I'll say I had a, a really great student minister. I had two um, in high school. In fact, he left um, during my senior year. Um, but one thing I remember him saying, his piece of advice to me was on kissing a girl goodnight. He said, always leave her wanting one more. Mm. I, for some reason, that's always stuck with me. <laughs> no one to quit. <laughs> no, no one to quit. Just don't, don't give her too much. Always leave her wanting one uh, more. That was good for both you and all the ladies. Oh, seriously? <laughs> Thank you, Don Harrington, wherever you are out there somewhere. Great great student minister, a great um, follower of Christ. So, Marissa, you? Um, yeah, my middle school minister, Dave Mertz, right. uh, was just fantastic. And um, I grew up at a church in Oregon that had a camp ministry. So we had a camp there in town. And so uh, he kind of was the uh, middle school minister slash camp director and just um, a big kid, but also someone that you could respect, and he was mature, and and so it just showed us that you can have fun and love Jesus and love other people. And there you go. And it was great. I just I grin when I hear the word Mertz. I just think of Fred and Ethel Mertz. Yeah. And I, I love Lucy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight out of the sitcoms. Yeah. Well, we have Stuart Tilly here, youth minister extraordinaire. Welcome to our staff, Stuart, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So I thought we'd just take just a few minutes. Um, We've heard his faith story. He's already hit the ground running. But if we had any questions for him that we would like to to entertain, uh, well, who was your favorite student minister growing up? Well, I didn't really. I went to church on and off growing up, but it wasn't something we scheduled in. So actually, if I think about my favorite student minister, I think about the student minister that got me excited about student ministry. 
Um, a guy named Russell Boone, I was fresh in college, asked me to help out. I didn't know what that meant. I just said yes. And mm-hmm. so I jumped in. He taught me how to have fun, taught me how to share the gospel. And then God's amazing because years, 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 years later, I moved to Tennessee and worked for his older brother. Okay. And he taught me the leadership side of it, the admin side of it. So I've really enjoyed just the Boone family. They're great. I think it's good to remember as we reminisce that uh, you never are sure the impact of your actions that will have, especially on young lives. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean that a person is going to go into full-time ministry, but, uh, well, I say everything we do as followers of Jesus should be ministry. Mm-hmm. So the impact mm-hmm, that we sure. can have on young lives is, is pretty substantial. Marissa, do you have a question for Stuart? Anything you want to ask? I've got oh, a couple. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I... <laughs> I'm catching you off, off the... I know. I know. Well, I have a student in student ministry. Oh, yeah. I have a daughter in student ministry. So um, I don't really have any questions. I just, you know... I'm just very excited that you're here, and I'm um, just uh, uh, excited that uh, that my daughter and other kids will have someone that sees them, that that is uniquely uh, gifted to speak towards them and, and speak into their lives and, and have excitement about not just youth ministry, not just being there on Wednesday nights, but excitement about Jesus. So very glad that you're here. I guess my question would be, I remember in youth group, caffeinated beverages were the most important thing to us. Mm. Uh, maybe it was because we were camp adjacent, but Mountain Dew was our, our drink of choice. I never gotten into the Mountain Dew. Still kind of gross, still kind of like battery acid. Agreed. But <laughs> what would your uh, signature caffeinated beverage be? Oh, I'm Dr. Pepper all the way. Okay. My wife is Mountain Dew, however, though, right. so she hey, likes Mountain listen. Dew and Diet Coke, but I'm Dr. Pepper. Okay. <laughs> and coffee? Are you into coffee? Any of that? that mostly coffee and water. Dr. Pepper is like a treat for me, but it's black okay. coffee mm. and water. Very yeah. simple man. Yeah. Good <laughs> but I did hear in all that, Marissa, that you have a daughter there, which means you're all in for serving whenever I need you. So I love that. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing excited. enough around here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So, and I do want to talk about what you're doing, kind of hit the ground running. You've got a couple of things already on the on the docket. But Dave, any any observations, any questions you want to ask? Stuart? Okay, so when I was in student ministry, one of the biggest things that we used to do was we used to play a ton of games. What's your go-to game? If, you're, if you were to pick a random game to get students just, just coming in and getting them engaged, what do you do? What do you Never like to do? Never have I ever. <laughs> no, have no, I, I think that. that's. No, I think that's that's not supposed Presidium. to be. Presidium, yeah. we're not yeah. supposed. No, no, untouchable. Your favorite game that can't devolve into something inappropriate. I think. <laughs> I, I think that I would have two. One's real easy. It's a cup game. Put a cup between two kids. You say, you know, elbow, knees, head, shoulders. When you yell cup, they try to grab it. Last person to get it is out. That's quick, fun, entertainment. Everybody plays. But I think my go-to game. I call it what you got. I think in the early 90s, it was maybe called purse pocket wallet. Mm. Um, essentially, I just stand on stage and I yell out random objects and whoever brings it to me and puts it in my hand first wins. It's always fun when you yell out uh, hair from your friend. Uh, that gets real interesting. Yes. <laughs> Shoelaces, socks, pennies, things like that. It's I, fun. I think on that hair from the friend, I'm safe. I mean, really. It'd be yeah. hard to Unless do. You're you really the gra- have to, tweezers, maybe? You, you, get could, a good, you good, could, good, maybe, or yeah. if you had a pair <laughs> of clippers. It doesn't just say head. facial hair. That's what I was saying. It doesn't say head. Oh, that would hurt. Yeah. So, so you have a couple of events coming up to get to know parents and students, would you just kind of walk us through that real sure. quick? Because some people listening, uh, they need to know about this. They want to know about this. Yeah, I'm really excited about them. We, I talked to Jamie and a few of the other leaders in the ministry, and I told them it's important for me to try to get to know kids and parents early. 
um, and kind of get some momentum going into summer, which is kind of, you know, the highlight for student ministry, Falls Creek, and just getting some time outside of school. So starting on the 17th, that Wednesday, um, I'm going to meet with 6th and 7th graders that evening from 6 to 7.30, just students, parents. It's really uh, just a hangout time. We'll have some games. I'll cast a little vision, and we'll eat. Um, so it's just going to be a chance to hang out with them the following Wednesday. It will be for our 8th and ninth graders, and then the following Wednesday after that will be 10th and 11th. I wanted to break them down, have some moments and some time to get to know them one-on-one instead of just having big groups. I like that. You time. want to break down our students. Just break, break, break them down. down. That's it. <laughs> they don't cry. I'm not winning. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you want us to know or any way we could be praying for your family as you, and you're, you're already in, you're, you're in housing here where you're still looking to find a, a permanent place, but, um, you know, any way we can pray for you or something you want us to know? Yeah, there's, there's obviously a lot of transitions and moving parts when you move your family, um, even if it is still in the same state, but we have four children. And so just moving, there's uh, trying to find the right school locations, trying to find a place with a little space. We're a little more country. Uh, my kids mm-hmm. uh, think that you go to the bathroom outside instead of inside, so we need some space so we don't have too many mm. neighbors. I know, you got to watch them. <laughs> Actually, in downtown, there's a large part of the population that also agrees <laughs> that you should use the bathroom outside. Perfect. So. We're coming downtown. Okay, we'll there you fit go. In. You're in. Um, not just oh praying for, for that with our family. We want to find a space that we can call home, uh, a space that we can be here. Um, but really, it's been great. The church has been welcoming. The t- town's been fun. My kids are currently running around the aquarium right now, so they're exploring Tulsa. Oh, great. Just pray for our family in that transition time. Yeah, enjoy it. And if you're listening to this podcast before May 7th, we're having a reception at noon on May 7th after our 11 o'clock service for Stuart and Callie and their kids and encouraging you. And even if you missed the reception, gift cards to your favorite places to eat. QT is always nice. Mm. Reesers is fantastic. Mm. Uh, Or wherever you shop for groceries. And uh, also there'll be the opportunity to Venmo Stewart if you want to just do a, a direct gift uh, to him. So am I forgetting anything, guys? We good? I don't think so. Yeah. All right. I think you hit it, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Stewart's going to quietly slip out because he said he didn't want to stay here for the rest of the recording. Which he is rude, I, I think. Know. I just want to be a listener, just like everyone else. Oh, whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> Join right. the thousands. He's just trying to break, <laughs> right. break us down. Yeah, the 127 <laughs> subscribers that we have. Hey, hey, it works. It's, it's we got yeah. a thing here. I, mm-hmm. Can I say one thing before I leave? Please. I thought about it, and I was going to say it, but I decided not to, but I'm back to it. Um, <laughs> so just thinking about... That was about, a long road. I know. <laughs> thinking mm. about Tulsa, one-way roads, getting confused. I uh, just want to tell a funny story of my wife. Uh, maybe she won't listen. I don't know. I won't tell her about it. If she doesn't hear it, we'll tell her. I do believe that about you. Um, But she (laughs) called me earlier, excited about the aquarium, and she pulled in and she said, okay, I'm at the Jinx Aquatic Center. Apparently, this is a high school and not an aquarium. (laughs) So the kids are like, mom's lost. We don't know where we're at. And then she said, oh, it's only 0.8 miles. And Yeah, Jinx is small. (laughs) Yeah, she said we made it. So it'll be a learning curve for us, but it's been fun. You could take the kids on a tour of the Aquatic Center and watch, you know, you know, high school, middle school students swim. Yeah. Be a little creepy, though, probably. Maybe a little. Yeah. Hey, we're just yeah. here to watch. We're just here to watch <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. Well, Stuart, welcome aboard, man. Yeah. Really, really glad you're here. Me too. Our Pray family is excited, come. and we're thankful for you guys. Fantastic. All right, well, let's jump into the text for today, and we're going to be uh, in um, a book in the Bible somewhere. Let me Ephesians. pull it up here. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter you 5. Much. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, this is the song, the Beatles song, Hey Jude. I want to let Marissa bring a little background to us. I'm I'm sure she has it. If she's not ready, I am. Okay, great. (laughs) But I I do want to say why I chose this particular song on this day, on May 14th. So 
this is going to be a song about marriage. Actually, Hey Jude is a song about divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, but May 14th is my 29th wedding anniversary. Hey. So as I was putting together, and by the way, my wife and I are doing fine. This is about marriage, <laughs> not about divorce. But as Good. I was putting together the series, I actually had it slated two weeks from now. And I was like, you know what? That'd be kind of fun is to do Hey Jude and to talk about marriage on my 29th wedding anniversary. Uh, and so one of the questions I, I'd like us to explore here, and if I were teaching this, especially in a couples class, I would say, if you had any wise counsel on marriage, what would that be? Hmm. And so as a teacher, that's, that's a pretty good discussion point, I think. But Marissa, why don't you start by introducing the song to us? If you got some stuff, I'm sure you do. Sure, yeah. Probably so at the it's... top of the dome. <laughs> um, this song was written in 1968 by Paul McCartney. It's their longest single, um, but it has a really uh, touching backstory and one that's infuriating to me um, because of the, um, the perceptions of it. But... Um, in 1968, in June, uh, the relationship between John and Yoko Ono had developed to the point where he decided to leave his family for her. Um, and uh, Paul had always been kind of the what he described as the jolly uncle towards uh, Julian, John's son. Uh, John had been kind of an absent father to Julian. Uh, they didn't have a good relationship. And he had known Cynthia, John's first wife, and his son Julian for a long time. They were very good friends. And so he decided, since they were distraught and abandoned, um, that he would go and console them as a friend. And this meant so much to Cynthia. He brought her a, a red rose, kind words to her son, and, and just to know that she might have been abandoned by her husband, but she still had friends and she was still a person of value, that her opinions and her points of view and her emotions and those of her son still mattered when her husband had decided that he was willing to throw them away for his own happiness. Yeah. So this song, um, Hey Jude, was written on the car ride to uh, their house. How fun. And, uh, you know, Paul had said this was something that he just naturally did on the way to John's house because usually they were going to go write together and spend time together. And this time he was writing a song to Julian. But he always felt... Um, had a heart for kids of divorce. You know, kids are so confused and they don't know, you know, did I cause this? Was this me? Does my parents still love me? And uh, especially in a situation where the parent is not doing a good job themselves, telling their child that they're still loved and affirming their child. So the song Hey Jude was written for him to let him know that it's going to be okay. Um, There's a, a Oklahoma tie to this song. Um, Paul was doing a lot of watching of, of Oklahoma, the Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, musical. And so he decided that Jude was more of a, he liked that country western sound of the name Jude. He got it from the name Judd from Oklahoma. So uh, so that's how it became Hey Jude. But uh, but that's the story. So there is one line um, in, in this song that uh, was just a placeholder originally. Um, you know, let it out, let it in. Hey Jude, begin. You're waiting for someone to perform with, and don't you know that it's just you? Hey Jude, you'll do. And here's the last line: the movement you need is on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, that was just um, that was just a placeholder. When Paul sang it for John the first time, he said, "I'm going to go back and clean that up." And John goes, "No, leave it. That's the best line in the song, and I know exactly what it means mm-hmm. because sometimes there's a truth that is communicated beyond words." And while we're going to be looking at the words of Scripture today, there's so much truth that is communicated in a deeper sense here about surrender and sacrifice and what marriage looks like. 
Um, so let's let's read this passage. Dave, can I call on you to read? Would that be all right? We're, sure. We're I have the CSB instead of the NIV. That's, so that's cool. That'll work. Heretic. Um, no. I know. I'm a heretic. I'm I'm the rebel <laughs> who's, who's reading that yeah, one. It's, so it's all good. So this is Ephesians five. Let's read twenty one through. Let's go ahead and go all the way down through thirty three and kind of complete this uh, this little passage of scripture out of the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. I know. I wish it had a cool acronym, like sometimes, you know, the NIV is nearly inspired Bible. Or what, it's CSB is too new to have that yet, so... Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. Yeah. <laughs> Submitting to one another in fear, of the, in fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband." So I want to say a couple of things here as we jump into uh, this this family relationship of marriage. Um, first of all, Paul's primary point is about Christ and the church. Uh, he's not talking about marriage as much. In, in fact, he says as much um, in verse 32, I am talking about Christ and the church. So he's not using the church and Christ to illustrate marriage. He's using marriage to illustrate the relationship between Christ and his church. However, there are some fantastic principles here about a familial relationship, and we are uh, born familial by nature. That's just who we are designed to be. We are born into a family. We are meant to be in a family, not only physically, but I believe we're also meant and designed to be a part of a spiritual family, okay? Uh, also, I think it's important to to say that, and I'm, Marissa, I think I wrote this down from when we talked through Ephesians a few months ago. I think you said this, that uh, really, the household is a microcosm of creation as a whole. Mm -hmm. In the home, we can see a reflection of what what creation is meant to be in relationship. And here's the bottom line: the world works through wise human relationships. And, and then you take the opposite of that: the world doesn't work because our relationships aren't wise and aren't holy. Uh, and so we see a wise working of relationships here between husbands and wives. Um, I want to start with the obvious, uh, kind of the almost the thumb in the eye. Uh, verse 22 is probably taken more hits. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And I'm just going to look at Marissa and say, what? how does this verse strike you? And I've heard you teach on this before. Uh, you're not going to say anything that I think, well, who knows? You could say something I, that's going to surprise I, new me. New fun beliefs that there you don't you know about. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, but how do you reconcile, reconcile yourself? Because you are a very free-thinking, independent woman. Mm. And by the way, I'm married to a free-thinking, independent woman. I'm, I'm married to a very, um, and I don't use this in a, in a bad way, she has a will of her own. I like that. I want that in a relationship. So how do we reconcile uh, 
uh, having a will of our own with this idea of submission. Yeah. So the all of Ephesians 5, um, you kind of have to consider in order to look at these verses, that this was um, a section of Ephesians about um, intention, living intentionally in light of our new illumination and in light of this new path that we're walking away from our old lives and our old ways of doing things towards Christ. The people of Ephesus... Um, in, in, without going too much into the history, you know, this was a pagan people who weren't rooted in in the relationships of the Jewish people, and, and they didn't understand the relationships and and the role that relationships had in glorifying God. Um, so, in the Greco-Roman world, the paterfamilias, you know, I, I can't say that without thinking of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And, that, that's and all right. Ever, but the paterfamilias <laughs> was the emperor in his own home. And, and why don't you define paterfamilias? So. It's the, the father of the family. Right, yeah. It's, it's the, the male of the household. Um, and every family member lived for his glory, um, that, that his will was the will of the family. And uh, it was a culture where, where men didn't marry for love, but for status. And, and it, was a, um, it, it was for women and children, not a place where they could thrive. The whole point of their lives was to bring glory to the, to the father. Um, and so when you have these household codes that were so popular at the time, it was a code written for the husband to teach him how to um, better subjugate his family um, for the honor of Rome, for the honor of society, for the honor of himself. So when Paul writes this uh, doctrine, he is writing in a way that's never been written before. Whether you're looking at 1 Corinthians, Philippians, he's writing in a way that gives voice to women that gives voice to children, that gives voices to slaves, where no consideration of their agency had ever been given before. Um, and it does, it feels awkward because of the way that we see these codes That's now. That's right. Um, that, uh, that this idea of submission, like you said, is a thorn in our side a little bit. Um, but the idea that we have power to submit to other people was revolutionary. Um, for Paul to say, submit, acknowledge that we had power, we had agency to, to uh, give to one another. And verse 21, I mean, is the crux of that. The beginning of the, of the chapter is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's right. And this is the main point. We're supposed to read everything else that comes after this in light of this verse. And submission is all it is, is a voluntary surrender or offering of power. So I've had people, as I've prepared to do their weddings, they've asked me, um, hey, on our vows, we don't want to use the, uh, the submit word. But little do they know that that word is next, actually not in the traditional wedding vows. Um, there might be love, honor, and obey. Um, but they've asked me, you know, let's, let's cut out the submit word. And I said, well, the good news is it's not in there, so I don't have to edit it out. The bad news is that if you don't learn to submit to one another, husband and wife, your marriage will not work. It is a mutual submission. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the word surrender, that every day I need to be surrendering to my wife. She needs to be surrendering to me. It's And the surrender that I receive from her, it's not something I should demand, but it's something that I should deserve. Mm -hmm. I should be living in such a way that I am worthy of her submission to me and she should live in such a way that she is worthy of my submission to her. But then even if she's not, I should give it anyway, right? Dave, what do you think? You, you were like taking, every time I, I, I lead it for a wedding, that's what I 
preach. I preach from this text, and that's a part of what I do, just talking about how Paul's talking about a mutual submission, not a submission that's exclusive, just women have to to be submissive to husbands exclusively, because Jesus willingly gave up everything he had for us. And and so while Paul teases this out, certainly looking at, at the Church and our relationship with one another, it applies to marriage so beautifully well and that's the point of most of Ephesians anyway, that because of what Jesus did through the cross, we're all one in Christ Jesus. We all have a reason to come to be on the same page. And so we should willingly give up our rights for the sake of coming together. So, so I'm thinking, what's the opposite of, of submission? I think the opposite of submission would just be outright stubbornness. I want what I want, and you're not going to change me, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Stubbornness is not key to a it's not essential to a great marriage. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. Stubbornness and selfishness never work. <laughs> well, and that was going to be the second word, so it goes on to say, husbands, love your wives. There, There's the sacrificial element of, of a relationship, and the opposite of sacrifice would be would be selfishness. And so let's talk about husbands loving the wives just a bit. I, so I gave Marissa some time. Dave, why don't you talk about husbands loving the wives and and what you've learned over the years, and you speak to that. There is... I think the best thing I could say would be I've learned a lot what not to do over the years. <laughs> I think that's, that's true man. of most of us as, as men. We know how to put our foot in our mouths more than we know how to, to act appropriately. I have found more times than not, if when we're in the middle of a discussion or in the middle of a fight, if I swallow my pride and don't try to be right, but just try to listen to what Ginger actually says. And in the middle of that, I mean, there, there's the struggle, right? We, we want to, as men... Be selfish and say, no, I, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Yeah. But if we take a step back and we actually listen to what our spouse has to say, we put aside our rights, it makes all the difference in the world. I, I think I'll leave it there because that's probably more than enough for most of us to hear and chew on. And I'm still in the process of spending a lifetime working on just that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's... it's um we all like to be right, but it's it's more important that we be loving than we be right. And and I think as we, we sacrifice for one another and listen, uh, I'm struck too by, um, of course, we, we have here this idea of surrender and sacrifice, and it flies in the face of stubbornness and selfishness. But it talks about Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word to present her a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, other blemish. I think about in marriage, and this is certainly what Christ has done for the church, so this is what I should do for my wife, and I think what wives should do for husbands as well, is to bring out the best in my wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I know if I'm being a good husband, if I'm bringing out the best in her character, or am I bringing out the worst? Am I, if I'm bringing out the worst in her, I am not being the kind of husband that I need and should be. And so that challenge is... and. Um, and by the way, I, I noticed this when my kids were dating, and I have two kids that are married now, but you know, I liked the kids that they brought home, and they would say, you know, do you like so-and-so? And I'd go, yeah, I like them, but I was really looking at what they did to my kid. Did they mm-hmm. bring out the best in them or not? And f- fortunately, so far, the two that have married into the family are bringing out the best in my kids. I need to be that for my wife. That's, that's the ongoing challenge is to bring out the best and not the worst. So we're going to dip over to a little bit of advice here. If we were to ask that question in community groups, what's, what's your one bit of counsel for a successful marriage? What, what would you say? What, what's one piece of advice that you would give? While y'all are thinking of yours, I'll, I'll just say here's my standard one, is just, just be easy to live with. 
make the decision. Get up every morning and just say, I'm going to be easy to live with. That means not being easily offended or irritated or not waiting to be asked to do something, just doing, doing something that's sacrificial, serving in a way that I know my spouse will receive. Um, you know, my wife is words of affirmation, and so I can clean the house for her, but that doesn't really do anything for her because it, that's an act of service. Mm-hmm. And actually, I clean the house more because it serves me, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, um, you know, if I affirm something that she's done, that means the world to her. So it's loving her in a way that she receives love. So just being easy to live with. Okay, so that's my radical advice. Do you all have any counsel, any, anything you've learned over the years, your best advice? By, by the way, so I've been married 29 years. Dave, how long have you been married? Almost 17. Almost 17, Marissa? Yeah, almost, uh, almost 17, I think. Okay, do you all have the same wedding anniversary? Doubt it. September 30th. See, nope. Okay, not even <laughs> June close. 6th, yeah. Okay, so Marissa, if you had a piece of counsel, what would you what would you say? Yeah, you were talking about loving, and and I like how you described the way that you love Paula in a way that's uniquely fitted to her. Um, I think that that when we're talking about like my marriage advice from like things like marriage seminars or books that we might read, um, it's very um, limited, uh, kind of a cookie cutter way of looking at people. Right. Looking at genders, women always want this. Men always want this. Uh, allusions to spaghetti and waffles that I don't <laughs> quite understand. Now, um, I kind of like it, though. In, in general, these things are true. It's a, right. Yeah. But the reason why marriages work are when um, people understand each other as unique individuals Agreed. and not as symbols or not as uh, caricatures of people, but who they really are. So when Paul is telling men to love their wives, he's saying to do so as Christ loves the church. And if you just look at how Jesus loved the church um, with agape, selfish, caring concern, um, in urging that a man care about his wife as he does himself, Paul challenges those, those selfish desires that we all naturally have. Um, in, you know, at the time, men took wives chiefly to um, serve their own needs. But when you look at how Jesus loved women by listening to them, by allowing them to have a voice, by allowing them to serve God according to their giftedness, by seeing and listening to their deeper concerns rather than listening to those who assumed they knew what women needed, that's why women felt a connection to Christ, why his female disciples felt a connection with them. And that's how men should love their wives, by respecting them as individuals, by listening to them, by helping them to live into their giftedness. Um, by by bringing out the best in them, as you and Paula do for each other. And I just think, too, that the reason why Paul says for women to respect their husbands is because sometimes it is very hard to do so. Really? No. It's true. So, <laughs> so you know, when we love and we care for people uh, as, as women, um, sometimes we might be starving him for the one thing that he's longing for, which is respect. Right. And um, I sometimes show my love for my husband by um, teasing and ribbing, and, but sometimes I think I am being funny and he disagrees. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so even at times when, um, you know, there's so many things that I respect about Chris, um, his mind works in a way that mine doesn't, and he's so efficient and good at things, and it just, like, blows my mind. And then sometimes there's things that he does that grate on me, and yet I'm called to love him 
and respect him anyway. Would you give us your top 10 list today? No, of, of no. Of good things no. or bad oh, things. No, no, you, always, you already asked me to slander my youth pastor, which I which I got around to. But, um, <laughs> but we're not only supposed to respect each other when we love each other. You know, that's what loving our neighbor means is to love people even when they don't necessarily deserve it. So even when, you know, the wind's not going through his hair and Dreamweaver's playing, mm. I'm I'm still called to love him as I love myself. Great. Now that song's going to be in my head the rest of the day. That's I appreciate a good... that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's already playing through mine, too. Thank so, you, Marissa. So, yeah, really yeah, no appreciate problem. that. You know, we, we're hearing a lot about AI these days, and uh, I just sounded old when That's, I said boy, that. Boy, that, that, is, that is quite a rabbit trail. Oh, no, actually not, because okay. there, there actually are companies that have already developed AI companions that you can develop your own mate. And I read an article this week that scared me a little bit. I need to take time to reread it a couple of times. Mm. But you can pretty much tailor your perfect mate, that they'll always respond to you in a way that you want. You can turn off, you can turn them off if you want to, yeah. or you can, you know, you can activate their personality. But this is, this is becoming real. One person even said, I've retired from human relationships. Mm. So what they're discovering though, is people are designing AI companions um, that are pretty much mirrors of themselves, that, that look like me, that always do what I like. The problem is, number one, that person isn't real. Number two, that, that AI persona will not develop Christ in you. Yeah. And that's part of marriage is we're so different that it develops Christ in us. So that the idea of marriage is not happiness, although that's good, it's holiness. I wonder what, what psychological studies will say 10 years from now, 15 years from now, as a result of that. That's fascinating. It, well, the article I read was actually very positive about AI companions, and I just think this wow. is... Have this they is getting... read the story mm. of Narcissa? And... I know. <laughs> yeah. So, Dave, if you were to give a piece of counsel about marriage, what would you give? It is far too easy, particularly... I'd speak to men and challenge them. It's far too easy for us to fix things. When we hear our wives speak with emotions... In particular, we want to be quick to rush in and just to fix those emotions, whether that's just offering a hug or whether that's just jumping up in the middle of the conversation and reestablishing justice for whatever it is. The biggest thing we can do for our wives is let them share their emotions and listen and be a shoulder for them to cry on. And if we have to bite our tongue or grit our teeth and not step in to fix, but simply to listen to their emotions and let them emote is, is kind of the word I use, creating that as a verb. We're going to love them in tremendous ways. Yeah. Be, be present. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, and depending on your marriage, you know, there's usually, and both Paula and I are fixers. Uh, so we've learned to tell one another, hey, I don't need you to fix this. Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. need you to listen right now. Mm -hmm. And have that kind of transparency because she can't read my mind, you know, and I've got to tell her, I don't need you to fix this. Uh, I want to give one last piece of counsel uh, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I just happened to read this last night, so it was fortuitous and it was good timing. He did a wedding once, and he was addressing the couple. He said, you're young and you're in love, and you think that your love can sustain your marriage. It can't. Instead, let your marriage sustain your love. And I'm going to need some time to live with this quote. I'm probably going to use this in, in the message uh, a couple of weeks from now or you know, 10 days from now from re the time we're recording this. But that idea is that we want our emotions to fuel our commitment when really it's our commitment that should inform our emotions. Mm. Of marriage. And, and that's, that's just upside down from everything that our culture 
and dating shows and Hallmark Channel teaches, <laughs> you know, it's, hey, let, let love, uh, you know, be the driving force. No, no, it's about marriage being the driving force and letting that inform and infuse our love. All right, so any last words? And I'll, I'll put a bow on it here in just a moment. I think my last word is that the reason why this is, is difficult to take is because the word submission is often so frightening because of the way that these verses have been misused and weaponized in order to continue to subjugate and, and continue to maintain power. And really, these verses all, are all about releasing power. And it makes me think about, you know, I mentioned in, when I was talking about Hey Jude at the very beginning, how angry this story makes me the story of John and Paul and Julian, because when Paul wrote this song, it was a song of comfort and hope for a little boy. And when John heard the song, all he heard it as was permission to continue his bad behavior, yeah. um, permission to uh, throw his family away in order to pursue his own happiness. Um, you know, He didn't talk to his little boy again for like four more years. When he died... His little boy wasn't in his will. Um, he twisted something that was meant to be of comfort and hope to a little boy and his mom and twisted it to further um, objectify them. And that's what we've done to Ephesians 5, is we've taken the words of Paul, which are the words of God. You know, he had a heart for, for families. He had a heart for women and children. And he wanted to give them hope and a voice and we've taken that and we've twisted it, and that's the saddest perversion. So uh, that just the scripture, God's will, never affirms us in our bad behavior. Right. <laughs> and and I think so many people look for verses, whether it's this one or others. It's like, how can I um, find permission for what I want in these words? So let me encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're considering it, don't throw your family away. It will be something that will affect negatively the rest of your life and affect your your family the rest of their lives. I would also say even if you're functionally together as a family, don't denigrate the value of your spouse, of your children. Treat human beings exactly as they were made to be and treated in the image of God mm -hmm. as you would want to be treated. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. Dave? So you said something a little bit ago that, that I, I want to kind of recircle back to and, and look for ways. You said that, that, that part of submitting to one another is looking for ways to bring out the best in other people. I think so much of, of this passage is just echoing so much of what's happening throughout Ephesians, that, that because of what Jesus did through the cross and making us one, our job now is to build each other up and help each other grow towards maturity. Just because we're in a marriage, that doesn't change things. If we're following Jesus, we're still supposed to build each other up and look for ways to build each other up and invest in each other and pour into each other. And so I might even ask the question, go around the table, what does it look like? What are some things you do to invest in your spouse? And maybe you could share some good tips and go around the community group and find some great ways that you can encourage each other. And, and I would encourage a younger couple especially, and we've benefited from this over the years, having an older couple that, that you, uh, you see their marriage down the road, and I think of Lloyd and Joanne Cunningham, who are godparents to our daughter Kira. You know, we'd sit around the table. We were a young married couple, and they would, you know, they would start having a discussion that for me and Paula would have turned into an argument, but they would kind of joke it off. And we saw, hey, it's possible not to get offended. And Paula and I kind of model that today. You know, I'll do something that irritates her, and she'll 
she'll make it into a joke and de-escalate. It's good to see other people model that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So this is a profound mystery. Paul is talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of us must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife should respect her husband. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.